This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. The Buck Sexton Show. We're joined by our buddy Guy Benson. He is townhall.com's political editor. He's also a contributor at Fox News and author of End of Discussion. Guy, great to have you. How's it going? You know, just rocking and rolling on Friday, trying to not have my nose fall off from frostbite. The huge. How about you? I hear you. Uh, getting ready for Christmas. No, that's a much better answer than what I gave. Look, see, Guy brings the, the cheer, the holiday cheer to the show. Thank you, Guy, <laughs> for that. Uh, let's talk a bit about some of your latest work here on townhall.com. 68% of Americans expect Trump to repeal Obamacare. Um, this is going to happen, isn't it? Well, I mean, I think it should. Um, and so the poll that I'm referring to is a new Fox News poll, which had a lot of interesting little tidbits in it, but one of them was they went through a number of Trump campaign promises and said, do you expect him to actually follow through on these things? So most of them, a large majority of Americans said, no, they don't. And that included uh, mass deportations. That included building the wall. That included defeating ISIS. Uh, but there were two items that people do expect him to execute, one of which is renegotiating and reimagining or at least taking another look at trade deals. And the other one is repealing and replacing Obamacare. As you said, about 68% of respondents, uh, nearly 70% of respondents said that was something that they did expect him to do. Now, that is separate from whether or not they support him doing that, although a plurality uh, still did. There's a pretty Democrat-heavy poll, but uh, you know Trump's name attached to anything makes it instantly polarized. But uh, most respondents said they would support repealing and replacing Obamacare, uh, regardless of you know whether or not that's separate from will he get it done. And clearly, almost seven in ten voters expect that he will. And the reason why, I think, at least on the repeal part of it, is House Republicans and Senate Republicans earlier this year managed to use the reconciliation process that Democrats used to jam through Obamacare in the first place, which is a budgetary tactic, to get a repeal bill onto President Obama's desk that got rid of and uprooted most of, not all of, but a lot of Obamacare. Obama, of course, vetoed it, but now with a president who has vowed to repeal the law in office, uh, they can just basically do that over again. The, the, the map is already there, and Trump would be ready to sign it into law. It's the replacement side that's uh, more complicated. And talk to me a bit about uh, Hillary running up the popular vote. We know we've heard a lot about how the popular vote was won by Hillary Clinton and we should get rid of the Electoral College and all the rest of it. And people have said in response to that, well, that's not the race that was being run. That seems to be true of the Trump side of the equation. But on Hillary's side, there was a real sense that what they should win the popular vote as just sort of a just just because. Well, apparently there were some Democratic officials Uh, top Democratic officials who were worried, ironically, that Hillary could win the Electoral College but lose the popular vote. (laughs) And so they spent 
it was revealed this week, millions of dollars, campaign dollars, in places like Chicago and New Orleans, where neither of those states were going to be competitive, Illinois or Louisiana, obviously, but they want to run up their tallies in some of these cities to make sure that she would win the popular vote. So they actually took resources that obviously could have been used in, oh, I don't know, Pennsylvania or Michigan or Wisconsin, um, and focused them in completely non-competitive states for the purpose of uh, kind of style points or uh, you know, popular, vote, uh, popular vote pursuit, which is irrelevant to whoever you know, wins the presidency. So uh, I, it's just incredible to read more and more of these details about the total political malpractice of which Hillary's campaign was guilty. And, you know, and there's a long laundry list. The fact that she never set foot in Wisconsin for the entire uh, general election, the fact that she spent very little time, if any, in Michigan, the fact that in the closing weeks of the campaign, her team spent more and, and aired more TV ads in Omaha, Nebraska, than in Michigan and Wisconsin combined. Uh, she ended up losing all of those places. <laughs> so, you know, we can talk about Russia. We can talk about Comey. There are answers to all of those things. I think a lot of that is just frustrated scapegoating. But ultimately, you had an unlikable, untalented, untrustworthy Democratic nominee who Democrats rigged their system to elevate and guarantee that she would win, despite the fact that everyone knew she was under active criminal investigation by the FBI. And she also ran a really stupid, poorly run, wasteful campaign. And she's culminating all of this with a big, lavish party that she's throwing for her top donors using leftover, unspent campaign money, which is basically the most Hillary Clinton thing I've ever heard. And one of the things that I believe has really come out of all of this has been exposed in a way that it's much more clear, although I believe it was apparent in the past, is just the the Herculean hubris of the Clinton campaign. They were so sure they were going to win. I think it also ties in, by the way, to Obama saying, yeah, I didn't want to make a big deal out of Russia because, you know, we figured Hillary was going to win anyway. Yep. They yep. all they really did. It's not like they were trying to create a perception of inevitability to help her win and they were worried. They were sure she was going to win. Yeah, well, they were drinking champagne on her campaign plane on Election Day. Tuesday morning, they were popping the bubbly already, so convinced that they were going to win. And they didn't. And, you know, when you get shocked so badly and when you lose in such humiliating fashion to someone whose disapproval rating was in the 60s, and you, know, you look at the exit polls from Election Day, Donald Trump's unfavorable rating among the electorate that elected him president was 61%. But about a, a quarter of those people voted for him anyway. Because, you know, you look at the alternative, it was a change election, and the alternative was rotten and perceived to be totally out of touch and a liar and corrupt. And I think those perceptions, by and large, are justified. And so they didn't see it coming. And when you get blindsided and lose to Donald Trump when you were fully expecting to win, you're going to lash out and latch on to any explanation you can, which is why you know, all the hand-wringing about fake news um, and you know, the FBI. Now, this, 
ultimately this was about a bad candidate running a bad campaign in a change year in which her party uh, was not going to be the beneficiary of those general overall wins. That is what happened. And uh, everything else, by and large, strikes me as desperate coping mechanisms. Talking to Guy Benson. He's a politics editor at townhall.com. Guy, you got a piece on your site up. Surprise, vote count discrepancies discovered in 37% of Detroit County precincts. Oh, my. What's going on here? Well, we don't know. And uh, the Republicans in Michigan are asking for an investigation into why there were mismatches in terms of the votes that were tabulated in terms of the number of voters that were supposed to have voted based on the campaign workers versus the number of ballots they actually found in the boxes. And it was 37% of all precincts in that county. And in Detroit itself, it was about 60% of precincts. And, I mean, that at the very best-case scenario, that's just a third-world embarrassing electoral system that needs a complete overhaul. And, of course, whenever Republicans ask any questions about any of this, it's chalked up to, you know, racist vote suppression or whatever. But that's completely unacceptable. And while we're sitting here and, you know, the Democrats and the media are talking all about we're still debating, you know, whether or not the vote was hacked uh, in, you know, a place like Wisconsin, and there's no evidence of that whatsoever, even according to the Obama administration, which is why, just quick aside, it's driving me nuts how so many people in the media and on the left are using this shorthand that the election was hacked, which is so sloppy and misleading. Yes, John Podesta's emails were hacked, and yes, it appears that the Russians were involved in that in, in some significant way. That is different than the election itself being hacked, you know, the, the ballot tallying mechanisms being illegitimate or compromised. That is not the case. The election was not hacked. You can say all oh, the Podesta emails were hacked and, and leaked and that was, you know, tipping the scales in one way or whatever. That's a separate argument, although the Wall Street Journal reporting today that the Russians tried to hack the RNC and failed because the RNC had better uh, protections, apparently. Um, I just think the conflation of those two things is really frustrating. And, and we end up debating this phenomenon of which there is absolutely no evidence. Meanwhile, the story that you pointed out that I wrote about at Town Hall, this mess in Detroit is getting almost no ink whatsoever because that doesn't really fit the narrative, as they say. And by the way, the motivations of the hacking has been one of the more uh, pointed parts of the, of the debate and that the RNC was ha or attempted to be hacked, too. And who knows if there were other accounts as well that, that were uh, in some way compromised. I think it's interesting how people immediately fit that into the, well, they didn't release the information, therefore. There are a couple of things that could have happened there. One, maybe they didn't find anything that interesting in those RNC emails. That is possible. Maybe, you know, that, that's... Doubt it. Uh, yeah. Doubt I, it. I, you doubt what? I mean, look, if they had the RNC emails or if they have them, you're trying to tell me in the year of Trump, there is not some really delicious stuff in the RNC's internal emails. Uh, come on. Like, there's got to be a treasure trove. I just don't know if they have it. And by the way, Buck, this is why I don't know where you come down on this. I am totally in favor of a serious bipartisan inquiry 
into the Russian meddling question. I think it deserves scrutiny. I think that the Senate Intelligence Committee is going to get on the case. I think that the uh, intelligence community that just refused to brief the House Intelligence Committee this week ought to get their butts in front of Congress and answer some, some questions. And we should seriously look at if and how a hostile foreign power attempted to influence right. a president. A couple of things. I mean, first, I, I think you're right. I think that's already happening, though. It has been happening, and, and clearly the information that's been coming out of the intelligence community in the last, what, week or so is not the result of a couple of days of looking at this, right? The, the, the online, the digital forensic investigation within the IC has been going on for months. I mean, we had that ODNI statement back in October. And as to the level of interest of the RNC emails, oh, yeah, I mean, God, of course there's going to be people that are like, Trump is a clown or whatever, but there's a huge difference that I think is really important for the purposes of this past election. What the DNC hack exposed was hypocrisy and lying within the DNC. Everybody thought the RNC hated Trump. Everybody thought the Republican establishment. I mean, if you get an email from, yeah, if you had an email, know, I actually think, I actually think it might have helped Trump if you had had Ryan's previous being like, this guy's a clown. How is this happening? That, that's, I'm talking well, about the I utility of the information, not the interest in the information. Meaning, was there anything that was overly damaging they could have released that was overly damaging to Trump? Might have been a little damaging to the RNC, but I don't think it would have mattered. And the Democrat side of things showing that the DNC was basically in Hillary's pocket and trying to take Bernie out of the race, that actually upsets Democrats. That, that's, a real, yeah. that's a real Achilles heel. Yeah, no, and I, I understand the point that you're making, and it's, you know, we're, we're debating a hypothetical. Who knows what would have been in those RNC emails? True. Um, and, and there were plenty, in terms of the drip, drip, drip of DNC emails, some of it was significant. There was also stuff about the Clinton Foundation that was damaging, and, and you know, the, the Douglas Band emails and that sort of stuff that really, I think, went to this view of her as this sort of inside, this corrupt, cronyist insider um, but a lot of it was also sort of gossipy and high schoolish, and, and um, ooh, look at what they were saying about each other. That was part of it as well, and there would at least have been some of that in the oh, RNC yeah. emails. But, we're, but again, we're I, I think I think mockery of Trump from the RNC actually helps the Trump case, whereas people saying that, right, that, that Chelsea Clinton is a brat and, and isn't actually trying to help the world's hungry or whatever, that actually looks bad. Yeah, if that's all that it was. True. And again, you're right. It's a hypothetical. We don't know. I was going to say, though, that we don't know, but perhaps you'll like the second point I was going to make more. And then we unfortunately have to run to a break. And that is they also might use this stuff against the Trump administration later. (laughs) They might be holding on to it. Right. That's why we have to know what happened. And by the way, we know that the Russians hacked the Pentagon's email system last year. You know, like the idea that this is, oh, this is so terrible. This is awful to have these compromises. Well, who is presiding over all of it while trying to reset relations with the Russians, not escalating uh, and, and really pointing out the nefariousness of what the Russians were up to because they were convinced Hillary was going to win? This was the Obama administration. This all went down on their watch. And w- the fact that we're barely talking about that, I think, again, illustrates the way that the, the left so often manages to grab a hold of the narrative and, I mean, they all decided fake news was a problem one day. They woke up and said, we're going to go crazy about fake news. And we've been talking about fake news for the last two weeks, and Facebook is changing their entire algorithm and bringing in these fact-checkers. I mean, they are they're a powerful group, but evidently not powerful enough uh, to, to beat Donald Trump. Guy Benson is townhall.com's political editor. He's a Fox News contributor. Follow him on Twitter, at Guy P, as in, what's the middle? 
It's Pelham. <laughs> is it really? That's your middle name? Yeah, it's a family name. Yep. Guy Pelham. I'm Buckman. That's the middle name for me. So that's why I ask. So I'm I'm James B. Sexton. You're Guy P. Benson. Guy Pelham Benson. Guy P. Benson. Thank you so much, sir. Great to have you as always. Come back soon. Thanks, sir. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-